Welcome to the Sandy Springs United Methodist Church Podcast, where we bring you weekly sermons that uplift your soul, strengthen your spirit, and praise the Lord. Whatever your reason for listening, we're grateful for you spending your time with us. May God open your heart to love and your ears to hear. You may be seated. The reading today is from 1 Samuel chapter 16, verses 1 through 13. Samuel anoints David. The Lord said to Samuel, How long are you going to grieve over Saul? I have rejected him as king over Israel. Fill your horn with oil and get going. I'm sending you to Jesse of Bethlehem because I have found my next king among his sons. How can I do that? Samuel asked. When Saul hears of this, he'll kill me. Take a heifer with you, the Lord replied, and say, I have come to make a sacrifice to the Lord. Invite Jesse to the sacrifice, and I will make clear to you what you should do. You will anoint for me the person I point out to you. Samuel did what the Lord instructed. When he came to Bethlehem, the city elders came to meet him. They were shaking with fear. Do you come in peace, they asked. Yes, Samuel answered. I've come to make a sacrifice to the Lord. Now make yourselves holy, then come with me to the sacrifice. Samuel made Jesse and his sons holy and invited them to the sacrifice as well. When they arrived, Samuel looked at Elab and thought, That must be the Lord's anointed right in front. But the Lord said to Samuel, Have no regard for his appearance or stature, because I haven't selected him. God doesn't look at things like humans do. Humans see only what is visible to the eyes, but the Lord sees into the heart. Next, Jesse called for Abinadab, who presented himself to Samuel, but he said, The Lord hasn't chosen this one either. So Jesse presented Shammah, but Samuel said, No, the Lord hasn't chosen this one. Jesse presented seven of his sons to Samuel, but Samuel said to Jesse, The Lord hasn't picked any of these. Then Samuel asked Jesse, Is that all of your boys? There is still the youngest one, Jesse answered, but he's out keeping the sheep. Send for him, Samuel told Jesse, because we can't proceed until he gets here. So, so Jesse sent and brought him in. He was reddish brown and had beautiful eyes and was good looking. The Lord said, that's the one, go anoint him. So Samuel took the horn of oil and anointed him right there in front of his brothers. The Lord's spirit came over David from that point forward. Then Samuel left and went to Ramah. The word of God for the people of God. Before answering the call to ministry, I worked for about a year and a half in an acute mental health hospital in Olive Branch, Mississippi. Part of my time there was working in the outpatient treatment program. People were usually pretty stable by the time they got to this part of their recovery, so we basically did a lot of group therapy. People struggling with addiction needed to work through some guilt of some choices they made while under the influence. People suffering from mental illness had a lot of shame and were learning how to deal with stigma. But the more I worked with these clients, I began to notice a common thread. Low self-esteem. They didn't see themselves as worthy of love or forgiveness. They struggled to see their value, that they had something to offer the world. 
And as I transitioned from working in the mental health field to working in the church, I soon learned that people are people everywhere. And we all pretty much struggle with the same things. We all, at some point or another, struggle with believing that we are enough. It's part of the human condition. We have this inner dialogue where we question ourselves. And the reality is that oftentimes these thoughts paralyze us. They hold us back from who we want to be, from who God has called us to be. Early on, it makes it difficult to make friends. We hold ourselves back and maybe don't try new things. Maybe we are uncomfortable in our own skin, so we skip the beach trip with our friends. We doubt our ideas, so we don't speak up in Sunday school or at the work meeting. There's always something, isn't there? We're too nice or too tough or too tall or too short, too smart or too airheaded. On the outside, we work hard to appear like we have it all together. And this social media-driven society, it's easy to fake it till you make it. So somehow we manage to find a way of operating in the world that when we are in public, we've dotted all of our I's and we've crossed all of our T's. My first semester in seminary, I remember sitting in class thinking, what in the world did I get myself into? It was seriously like my professors were speaking a different language. Who knew there were so many words that ended in ology? And then I was assigned to read these documents that were like a thousand years old, supposedly in English. And I remember sitting in class completely overwhelmed because as I looked around, it seemed like everyone else was getting it, except for me. But as I got further into the program, I talked to a few of my friends about that first semester experience. And you know what? They all felt the exact same way I did. But no one wanted to say anything because they didn't want to make themselves look bad. All the pressures of what we should be or what we could be weighs heavy on our hearts. It holds us back in our relationships, and it stops us from living the life God calls us to. Are you guys following me this morning? <laughs> Can you relate to some of what I'm saying? Many of us are literally disabled from our lack of confidence. Sometimes it's because we've tried and failed. Sometimes it's because someone told us that we would never make it. But these thoughts work their way into our life to the point that it causes us to miss out on the good things the world has to offer, the good things God has for us. And throughout life, we face all types of situations that make us feel small, unimportant, overlooked, not as good. And any of us who have been a victim to a social pecking order know that these scars run deep. But there is good news in our scripture passage this morning. 
God does things differently. This is not how the kingdom of God works. You see, up until 1 Samuel chapter 8, verses 1 through 5, God ruled the nation of Israel, raising up leaders as they were needed. This is how things worked from the time of Moses through the days of the judges. But we are told in 1 Samuel chapter 8 that the people asked for a king to rule them, such as the other nations have. Oh, doesn't the grass always look greener on the other side? So the Lord told Samuel, they have rejected me as their king, as they have done from the day I brought them out of Egypt until this day, forsaking me and serving other gods. God warned them that putting a person on the throne would bring political corruption and trouble. And God was right. Saul was the first king. Saul was a giant of a man. He was good-looking, and he was charismatic. In today's world, we might say that Saul looked good on TV. But he let power go to his head. He turned away from following God, and he became corrupt. He conquered territory, made himself rich, was unjust to the poor, and corrupted the worship of God. In the eyes of the world, Saul was a successful king. God, however, saw things differently. So the Lord said to Samuel, I'm sending you to Jesse of Bethlehem because I have found a king among his sons. So Samuel went, expecting to find another big, strong, charismatic leader, this time among Jesse's sons. And as soon as Samuel walked in, he thought he saw the right one in Elab. That must be the Lord's anointed right there in front, Samuel thought. But the Lord said to Samuel, have no regard for his appearance or stature, because I haven't selected him. God doesn't look at things like humans do. Humans see only what is visible to the eyes, but the Lord sees into the heart. Humans only see what is visible to the eyes, but the Lord sees into the heart. Now that's what I call good news. See, they didn't have Facebook or Instagram when Samuel was trying to discern which of Jesse's sons had been chosen to be the next king. Jesse couldn't log into their LinkedIn profiles or count up their number of followers. But it's clear they did judge each other based on outward appearance. After the seven sons of Jesse have passed before Samuel and all have been rejected, Samuel finds out that there's another son. They're still the youngest one, Jesse says, but he's out keeping the sheep. It had never occurred to Jesse to call David in. It's likely that David's family never expected much of anything to come of him. They probably figured that tending sheep was all that David was good for. This would be his lot in life. 
It's almost like they thought of him as the runt of the litter. He would never make it. While the other boys are being paraded in front of Samuel, David is out in the fields, humbly tending to the sheep. As a matter of fact, Jesse never even mentioned David by name. He simply refers to him as the youngest. But Samuel says to Jesse, send for him. And sure enough, when David walks in, the Lord says, that's the one. Go anoint him. And we're told that the Lord's spirit came over David from that point forward. Can we just pause here for a second and let that set in? The one rejected and passed over by others, the one that was literally a second thought to his very own family, is the one that God chose to be king. When I think of David, one of the first stories that comes to mind is the story of David and Goliath just one chapter after our scripture passage this morning. And something that's always stood out to me about that story was David's confidence. He wasn't confident in his own abilities, though he probably knew his way around a slingshot from his shepherding days. David was confident in God. In 1 Samuel 17, David said to Goliath, you come against me with sword and spear, but I come against you with the name of the Lord Almighty, the God of the armies of Israel. So I think to myself, where does our confidence come from? I think again about that inner dialogue we often have where we question ourselves and how those thoughts can paralyze us, how they hold us back from who we want to be and who God has called us to be, to the point that we change how we live our lives. How different would it be if we lived like David, not having confidence in our own abilities, but confidence in who God is? And though we might not be able to fully understand why God has chosen us and this time and this place to usher in his kingdom, we can have faith because God's plan is bigger than we can see. The first book of the New Testament is the Gospel of Matthew, written over a thousand years after David was anointed king. In chapter 1, verse 1, starts with this. A record of the ancestors of Jesus Christ. Son of David. We must be careful how we assess those around us. And we must be careful about how we assess ourselves. We might look at some people and think, how could God possibly use them? We might look at ourselves this way. But it's not true. 
The Bible is filled with misfits and those who are overlooked, and God calls them, and God uses them in mighty ways to transform the world. God sees purpose in our lives where we might see none. God sees potential where we might see nothing but failure and flaws. God sees strength where we might see weakness. God sees unimaginable beauty in each and every one of us. So for all those who have at one time or another found to be themselves the last one picked in gym class, for those who have been picked on, overlooked, made fun of, for all those who have ever felt like they were less than, not good enough, remember David, a little shepherd boy, whom to everyone's surprise, God chose to be king, an ancestor of his very own son. Because God doesn't look at things like humans do. Humans see only what is visible to the eyes. But God looks into the heart. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Our closing hymn this morning is number one. Thank you for listening to the Sandy Springs United Methodist Church podcast. We hope that you have found our podcast helpful and hope to be in ministry not only to you, but with you. For more information about Sandy Springs United Methodist Church, please visit www.ssumc.org. Until next time, may God bless you.